Nobody knows what white people eat. You've been very good at keeping that shit a secret amongst yourselves. I study white people. You don't know that. I'm writing a paper on you. Not even for school, nigga, just to do it. Just to get some, just doing this independent research. I'm spending my money, that's why I'm working so hard. I follow you around grocery stores. They freak out. I just try to peek in the cart. They always say, get away from my cart, nigga. What are you looking at? Chicken and giblets are over there. You must be lost. These are vegetables. I know what you drink. See how quiet it got? <laughs> grape juice. Surprise, motherfuckers. You didn't know I knew about grape juice, did you? Oh, don't play dumb with me. Looking, what? What is A lot of black people don't have the privilege of knowing about grape juice because they have great drink. It's not the same formula that you get. Ain't no vitamins in that shit. You might have one of your black friends over, Todd. Todd? Would you care for a glass of grape juice? What? Nigga, what the fuck is juice? I want some grape drink, baby. Mm, it's purple. that motherfucking steak, mister? Um, it'll be up soon, Chef. Will you please not swear at me? Uh, why are you talking, dishwasher? Get back to the dish pit. Clean those dishes out. I am the main host, not the dishwasher <laughs> over this piece. I am Bobby Stills. Across from me today, subbing in for Johnny Tsunami is Juani uh, Rijes. Yes, I will be, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I washed dishes once, once in a lifetime. So if you guys listened to the show, was it last week or two? It was two weeks ago, mm -hmm. right? We we talked about how his boss had talked about the death of the... Uh, a lot of deaths going on lately the, in the... in the Of the ceramic engineer. Yeah, right. And then Elmer was the elevated water boy. I like that <laughs> one, too. But we talked about the death of the dishwasher at Johnny's Restaurant. So, Johnny, what's your title tonight in the kitchen? Uh, tonight I will be dish prep. You were like, you know, you're upset about it, but I'm not at all. I'm actually excited. You just said you were like, I don't want to go dishwash. Wash I dishes. Mean, I tonight. don't want to go to work ever, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do what you got to do. You know, no, it's gonna be fine. Um, there's just a lot of stuff to do. It's a busy. We're just like we're becoming one of those restaurants that like is unseen during January where we're doing 210 covers on Friday, yeah. Saturday, not Sunday night, you know, and like on Wednesday and Thursdays we're doing 150 and you're just like, what is going on? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I look forward to going to work now because that's all I do anymore. No, it's good. I've actually gotten a, a whole new found. I started putting, setting goals for myself um, in life, I guess you could say, but mostly at work. And like one of those things is like trying to make sure our cooks get better at the position that they're in now, or trying to make sure that I'm going above and beyond every day and not just when I feel up to it or trying to be in a better mood when I'm at work. That's I'm focusing on being in a better mood. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I try to have a positive attitude with people, but I've been 
you know, fiercely defending myself mm-hmm. lately and trying to explain to people my position and why I get so uh, passionate or uh, frustrated or why I get angry. Yeah. And like, I'm trying to make them understand it's because it's, it's one sided a lot of times. And, and well, I, it's something I, you're I, well, passionate I try, about, obviously. I know, but I try to talk to them reasonably and they just don't get it. Yeah. So maybe if you raise your voice and you show how, how, how much it makes you angry, they'll maybe listen a little bit more. And I try, I, I just, it's one of those things is when people ask you why or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. like, I don't fucking care why, just do it. And they're not three, they shouldn't be able to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, speaking of deaths, we uh, are mourning the loss of another chef in the industry. Not just any chef, the Pope, the, the Pope, the God. <laughs> God, the man himself, who's created like so many different situations in the culinary world that we appreciate now, like cooking competitions, culinary schools, um, restaurants. But um, last week, six days ago, um, Paul Bocuse passed away. That's right. January 20th. 20th. You know, he didn't die of old age. He died of Parkinson's, which I did not know you could die from. Interesting. I mean, he died at 91, which is a ripe old age. Right. He was ready to go. Yeah, we got to protect Michael J. Fox at all costs. <laughs> Hashtag protect Michael J. Fox at all costs. Oh, Marty McFly. You remember when he made came a show out came out with a show about him having Parkinson's? It was uh, on uh, Curb Enthusiasm. Yeah, it was. Oh my god! But he was like, the boots, the boots. <laughs> You're clumping, clopping. He's like, it's the Parkinson's. Oh my goodness. But anyway, so it was a pretty sad day in the culinary world. Um, if people don't know who Paul Bocuse is, he is a Lyon, Rion native of France. Um, and he is considered the Pope of culinary or nouveau cooking. So just new age cooking. Um, he's kind of the forefather of what we see today on a tasting menu. Um, chef's table. Chef's table. Yeah. The elegance of he's the guy cooking. that fucking created that shit. Yeah. Um, gastronomy, um, using fresh ingredients, you know, uh, he, he held a three Michelin star at his restaurant in Lyon for since 1968 until currently. Oh, well, they said um, 65 years. Yeah. So. He's not one to, you know, toss by the wayside. And one thing that actually kind of made me want to talk about him on the show was the fact that a lot of people don't know about him, which is interesting to me. I don't know too much about his career. I mean, I know who he is. Yeah. I mean, everybody everybody in the culinary world should know who he is. Exactly. And that was, that was I, the issue that fell on me was he passed away. Um, and some people were, you know, like Chef's Table or, you know, like those sites that you follow were posting about it. And I was like, oh, cool. There's going to be like a flood on my feed of all my chef friends being no. like R.I.P. Bocuse, you know, just like they say, like R.I.P. to any actor or singer, you know, that's out there. They they're, you know, like rest, R.I.P. Lil Peep and nobody really listened <laughs> to Lil Peep. But, you know, in the culinary world, you say R.I.P. Paul Bocuse and people just are like question marks. And it makes me sad because it shows that the industry is at a turning point again where we're getting out of this fine dining and we're going back into just being machines who cook food for the masses. Um, it seems to me like when I go into kitchens nowadays that a lot of people, unless they're from culinary school or they've been in the industry, you know, eight or plus years, they don't really go to French cuisine as their staple of knowledge. That should be the standard. Yeah. And I feel like that is the standard. And I know there's a lot of different cuisines and a lot of different influences. I, I've never worked in a classic French restaurant. Have you? I have. I have I was not. the first restaurant. Luke. That, yeah. And then I, I was the first restaurant where I took cooking seriously and it literally... 
I learned French technique. Yeah, it, sh- it shot me straight into the culinary world where I understood things more than other people because I knew the background, the history, certain things like that. Um, so it was kind of sad to see that nobody really represented Paul Bocuse and his death. So I wanted to talk about him and just make sure that, you know, let everybody know that he was a staple. He's a he's an icon. Yeah, I mean, he's a Marco Pierre White he's I, before Marco Pierre. Oh, White, yeah. You know, Most what I'm definitely. Saying? I mean, definitely influenced. I mean, all the restaurants that everybody talks about, all the Michelin rated restaurants here uh, in the United States, at least, um, are all, you know, kind of based off his style of cooking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And cooking actually was in his blood. His family's been uh, cooking since what? The 1700s? 1700s. He's been cooking. He started his first apprenticeship at 16, which is like 1942. Mm-hmm. And that was at a three Michelin star rated restaurant. In, yeah. And that time. And he was there for eight years. Mm-hmm. Imagine starting your first job and being there eight years. And I think it had the Michelin, the three star Michelin rating for that entire time that he was there. Because I know it was only it was only a short time that had it, but it was definitely, you know, up in the eight to 10 year range. Well, RIP to Paul Bucos. Bucos. Yeah. Bucos. And one last thing, um, his funeral in Lyon that they had lit, lit. They had thousands of chefs in white. Wear white. Uh, yep. Um, littered there. And you know, they have the old, old school churches that are huge and you just see all this beautiful stained glass and all these chefs in whites. Um, it was, it's pretty epic and it was pretty awesome to see. And I really wanted to be there. It makes me want to go back to France like instantly. It's, it's crazy. Uh, on to a local death, the death of Mistral. <laughs> so, I know. So Mistral kitchen closed after eight years in the Denny Triangle, which actually makes me kind of sad. It makes I, a lot of people I sad. always loved that place. It was quirky. Um, it served excellent food. I liked the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I liked the way the place was set up. Uh, the chef was amazing. The food, I never had a bad meal there. And it wasn't too pricey. Mm-mm. So... Yeah, and the original over in Belltown was like one of the things that made me want to move to Belltown when I was looking at places like this whole fucking block is dope. Yeah. It's pretty sad. It's I mean, I mean it goes into, you know, what we're going to talk about that on this episode just the death of fine dining in itself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we kind of wanted to get into that. There's a couple other articles and things we'll be talking about, but Specifically, not within the world or the United States or over in England or France or whatever, but it, just at least in Seattle, uh, we've talked about it on the show. I know we talked too much about Amazon. Johnny was like, Dude, let's not turn this into an Amazon bashing thing. By the way, they opened up their balls. Yeah, that was cool. I haven't gone on a tour there yet, but... I want to go when you do. All right, we, we can get us in there. Okay. No problem. Just let me know what day you want to go. Uh, but... Uh, we've covered it that all of these really nice restaurants are not surviving in that part of town. Well, yeah, and it was funny. which is actually so. At the beginning of the show, I say coming to you from South Lake Union. That is, we're in the heart. Well, we're on the water, so yeah, we don't fuck with down there. <laughs> we on the water, fool. You can come see us on your boat, <laughs> Studio Two One Two, part of the Soundcasting Network. Um, but further, you know, past beyond the or before Lake Union where Amazon's headquarters are, uh, the the restaurants and stuff popped up there so quick mm-hmm. and nobody knew. And like Paul Allen, I guess, owns half of that or I want to say yeah. what, 80% yeah. of that land down there. Um, As was Bill Gates, doesn't he? I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't okay. Get, getting all, okay. all of politics. Can you speak to the mic, sir? If you're gonna, don't disrespect our show like that, sir. Thank you. These nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he like kind of handpicked who was going to be there. Yeah. And he got a say of like, 
how many yoga studios are going to be here and who he, so he owns all of it. So, he, so there's only one yoga studio down there. I know he gets to pick, you know, like uh, they can't be two next door to each other. They yeah. gotta be kind of, they kind of mapped out the campus down so there. So there's, they're not really competing there. They no, can, exactly. And that's why he didn't want it to be over flooded with, mm-hmm. you know, art, art studios, yoga studios, all this bullshit. But he got to pick the chefs and what restaurants were going in there and flying fish moved from Belltown exactly and has moved mm-hmm. to Westlake and it's been doing really well. I've talked to the chef there before and it's doing a lot better than the Belltown, but <clears throat> their price points and their food, it's not, it's kind of middle line higher, mm-hmm. but under fine dining. Uh, but a lot of the fine dining restaurants down there and Amazon campus is closed. And the, I mean, put a fork in it. Once my straw closes, how does that, how does that happen? I don't understand. And this is after the death of two Josh Henderson restaurants in the same area. Yep. What, uh, Vestal, Vestal and, and then bar. bar. I can't remember. I don't know either. Uh, I, I had never heard of it. I didn't even I, know. It I've been open. in there for a drink, but uh, I'd never had any of food. Uh, and I liked Vistal, uh, but that Circadia place was fucking gaudy as fuck. We well, I, one of my those. cooks that just left, uh, June Baby, was at Circadia when it closed. He worked there from opening to what close. What did he say? What did he say? Um, he just said it was, it, yeah, it was just what you said. It was too frou frou. It's, it's like too super, gaudy. Like, super frou frou. Like everything had to be a specific way and it didn't really it made sense but for the people it didn't make sense like as a as a learning experience it was amazing but as you know a career choice it's kind of tough especially in this city there's an article that came out that I sent to Johnny about um, from the Telegraph over in the UK and the title of it is uh, end of the tasting menu as chefs say diners no longer want to be preached to mm-hmm. so gone are the days of people asking for tasting menus and for you to be unique uh, they want they want some vo- they want their voice back they want to be able to pick what they can eat and they want to be able to choose um, they want a la carte but they also want it to be in a way where they can pick and choose what sort of things they have inside of their food as well you know like they're like i'm gluten free or dairy free or <laughs> you know i'm allergic to eggs like all this different stuff nowadays it makes it hard for chefs to even be able to produce a tasting menu because basically you have to have a 60 percent vegan menu in order to get the customer base you want in seattle well i mean there's a uh, there's a chef director of a new restaurant named uh his name is aiden Byrne. Um, and he's opening up a, like a 20 story restaurant and, and he's like, well, he's saying like, you know, our customers have busy lives now. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to sit through an hour, an hour and a half, um, period and wait for the food to come out. You know, it's, it's not so much a dining experience. People are busy nowadays. They want to get in, they want to get out, they want to pay their bill and they want it to be affordable. Um, that's also the problem. And that's the problem with South Lake Union. And they want the choice of to tip or not. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, not not at least over in Europe, but here yeah. they do. Uh, but at least here in Seattle, um, I know that we've talked about it on the show previously. But the people that are Amazon, man, they're they're not out here trying to live lavish lives. They're not trying to out here be, you know, they're trying to stack up that money, save that money. And start a business. And Yeah, and start their own startup. You know, so they're eating po- Postmates mm-hmm. and uh, they're eating that little. Uh, they created Postmates so they could eat Postmates. Right, exactly. After they Marination were Station. <laughs> they, they, you know, they want, they want quick, fast. They want to get home. But he's, he's, they're just, they're over the, they just want their starter, their main course and their dessert. That's, I mean, that that's fine. That's good for dinner. That's good for me. Yeah, that's what I want. I, I mean, I enjoy tasting menus. Don't get me wrong. I never go out to them because it's like, I'm not going to spend $400 for one night. Not just that. It's not, 
it's worth it sometimes, but when you go there and they fucking hand you, a, they give you a tiny plate f- filled with bullshit, and it looks nothing like what you'd expect something to be. Let's say get pork shoulder, mm-hmm. and it's like one small bite with some fucking jus on it, micro green, and a raspberry, <laughs> and you're like, that tastes nothing like fucking pork shoulder. So why would you call it pork shoulder? You know, <laughs> with a fucking raspberry. <laughs> I don't want an entire meal of amuse bushes. No, it's exactly like seventeen amuse bushes, and then you're hungry. Yeah, but you're not hungry when you leave. It's just like as soon as you walk but, out the door that you're like, fuck, I'm the, so hungry. I know. You're like, can we get some sushi? <laughs> so I'm not going to shit on There's a place and a time for those type those types of places. The issue is, is that there's a lot of them. A lot of restaurants changed and they started hiring people to come in and start doing prefixed menus. And they took away what made some of those restaurants great. Um, I'm not sure exactly why Mistral closed. Um, I heard that they owed some people money and their lease was up. Uh, I'm not sure if that's true, but you know, it's all about the hype these days, the hype beast. Johnny, would you agree with me? It is all about the hype beast. It's fucking annoying. You wear fucking Yeezuses, don't you? I do. I I don't. I, Yeezuses. 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 Don't you? No. After he named his child whatever he named her, Chicago. Oh, I'm over. I'm so done with. I him. mean, it. But it's like, but it's it's all for the Instagram followers, right? No, exactly. And that's the that's the thing is like, I mean, I can say that I even do it myself. It's like. When people are like, oh, you are, you're on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, man, but it's not even about the people that I know. It's about the people I don't know that follow trying me. Trying to flex. Then trying to flex, yeah. And then half of the time, you know, I look at my Instagram and a lot of the food that's on there is my food. But a lot of the, uh, another portion of it is food that I cook at restaurants <laughs> that I'm working at. And I'm sure that people are just believing that that's food that I made because I cooked it. It's but just it's pictures not my, you took of somebody else. Yeah, but it's not my idea. And that's the thing is like it creates this false pretense that you're something amazing. Um and that's how, and I feel like that's how people are getting these followers is they're, they're just like, I work at this restaurant and I'm a badass cook. Look at all this food that I make. And you're like, well, you don't make that. Well, I mean, I've seen pictures of people in kitchens that you and I know that, I mean, they're, they're the badasses with the short white sleeve shirts and the nice denim aprons, mm-hmm. you know, with the fucking knife tattoos on their arms. Tweezer crew. And they're standing yeah, there with exactly. their arms crossed. And I'm like, bitch, I've worked with you, man. You can't, <laughs> you can't fucking saute for shit, homie. Like, like let's do 130 covers right now. Let's see yeah, let's see you keep up, man. Uh, I'm going to hear you bitching about a smoke break. You hear it about fucking 30 minutes. So well, I bitch about smoke breaks. I mean, I've been there, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fight. I um, think I sang a song like, I need a cigarette. I'm, I mean, I look so goofy when we, we take group pictures in kitchens. I'm always, I, I never look I've like a bad. The, I've donned the smile. Uh, yeah, me and you laugh. Yeah, after, I can't help it. Especially after Eduardo Jordan and just seeing how that's why he's people, got the biggest people cheese. People love him, and it's because when he takes pictures, he's just like cheese, fromage, you know. And everybody's just like that guy. He, I like him. Yeah, he's he's a nice guy. He's got good energy. Exactly. Uh, that's what you got to portray. But yeah, it's all about the internet's perception is almost becoming more of a perception. Than reality. Than reality, than actually being If there. somebody tells you that something's supposed to be good, uh, I'm trying to think of something local. That we I mean, yell. Well, I mean, we're going <laughs> to... Good transition there, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of something local that weekend, a place that they say is good here in Seattle because it gets so much of hype, but it's not. Oh, I mean, you can... I, I can't. 
because if I say stuff, then it's just going to be like bang, bang, shots fired. But there's multiple restaurants. Yeah, let's not shit. We're trying to stay positive here yeah, in 2018. There's multiple restaurants in Seattle that do tasting menus or that are considered amazing restaurants because of what, in my opinion, decor. But they get rave ratings uh, for their food. And really, they're just a glorified oyster and rose place. Well, I mean, me and Johnny were talking. We were trying, we trying to plan the show or whatever. We'd been covering it. We were looking at a couple articles to read, talk about it, different stuff, definitely about Mistral closing. But uh, last night, I was like, uh, a new season of Hate Thy Neighbor came out on Vice. Oh, watch okay. that show. I mean, I've seen some of it, but not, I don't follow Vice. So really. I was fucking with Vice, and then I saw this fucking video uh, that says, I made my shed the top-rated uh, restaurant on TripAdvisor over in the UK. And when he says shed... It's a shit. It's a shit. Uh, it's like what you would keep your lawn tools in. Yeah, and so basically, what this kid does—if you haven't seen it, go watch it. And if we'll post know. it on our page for sure. Yeah, most definitely. I'll post it right after this. Right after we get done recording this episode. But uh, basically, this kid is how old is this child? Did you, did you catch how old he was, Johnny? No. Not very, I think he's 22, yeah, he's 23. Like, very young. Lives in a modest home in uh, Dolwich. He doesn't even live in the home. He lives on. He lives in like the mother-in-law's shed in the back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He stays in a shed, and he all his clothes are on like a, um, a construction site container yeah. with a lid on it. That's right. <laughs> he was looking for his hat and stuff through there. But basically what he was doing for a job was he was working. He didn't have a job, and he was getting paid... Um, to write fake reviews. To rate, write fake reviews for restaurants. And so for every review, he'd get like 10 quid. I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Pence? <laughs> no, 10 quid. Yeah, 10, 10 pounds. Yeah. But that would be the equivalent of about 15 $13. $13 American, you know? So he'd write a positive review for their place uh, despite never eating there. Uh, over time, he became obsessed, obsessed with modern monitoring uh, the ratings of the businesses, and uh, he would and he'd wonder how how many of these other ones are fake. Are fake. fake. Yeah, because you can't a lot of them you can't tell. Um, so he was convinced that TripAdvisor was like bullshit. He never listened to it. He'd never been to these restaurants, but he had studied these pages and stuff, and he was convinced that he could make a fake restaurant popular. So what he did, it took him seven months. Which isn't that long. No. He took seven took seven months and basically what he did is, is he went and got a burner phone, set up an address. Oh he he didn't set up an address. No, he gave it the he gave a road a corner. And said it was yeah, and it said it was a reservation based restaurant. That's right. And then for seven months he denied all yeah, all all calls, all calls for he, reservations. He told everybody that he was and he was ha- his stat. He was booked, and he had his other friends yeah. write fake reviews, talking about how it's amazing. <laughs> and like, yeah, five star, five star. He had a bunch of people trying to get him to. Uh, I mean, they were using their like work emails mm-hmm. from like Sony uh, <laughs> music places trying to get him, and so basically he didn't know he was like tripping out because he was like what am I gonna do like (laughs) his phone would not stop ringing 24-7 people wanting to come to this restaurant despite no one ever being there and none of these uh, none of these um, actual reviews being real he decided he was just gonna open up his 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 backyard it's all he could do after he got number one it took seven months so it took seven months he reached he started off there's 18,000 restaurants in London right Mm mm-hmm and England, sorry, not London, England. So he started off, made it to number one, 
so he decided he was going to open up for one night only. And basically what he did, he hired his friend who says he's a chef. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Yeah. But he didn't know what he's going to serve him. So he goes, you know, I grew up on eating like ready, ready to go meals. I'll just serve that. So he goes and gets fucking frozen lasagna. Bro, the amount of microgreens on top of that lasagna. <laughs> and those fucking, those, um, the edible flowers. Yep. Dude, I was like, dude, you, what are you even doing? The colors don't match. What are you doing, homie? But he got like minestrone, like cu- cup of soup minestrone. Yep. Um, and basically what he did is he called people back and he said, hey, we have a reservation open this Wednesday. He hired fake actors, hired a guy to bring in chickens, put in lights. And then he told the people to come just to this corner. And he blindfolded them and walked them behind the house to this backyard garden and sat them down and served him minestrone. <laughs> And cup frozen. of soup minestrone in a fucking coffee cup. And frozen lasagna. Frozen lasagna, mac and cheese truffle, right? He had his homeboys. They set up a table up on top of his roof. <laughs> and had his friends up on top of the roof, made a little fire pit. Oh I mean, gosh. I think the best part of it was somebody was like, the macaroni and cheese with truffles. Oh, I, was I, I, I really love that. I really love that. And uh, people, you know, and he had, oh, the best part about it was he, he had a DJ there. Right. The DJ was playing. He was remixing. He said he was remixing, but he was literally just playing sounds from restaurants in New York City. <laughs> and he would like scratch it and put it in a different restaurant's background noise. I mean, that was classic. Uh, people tried to rebook. They tried. They, actually, when they left, they said, hey, can we make reservations right now? And he said, unfortunately, we are. Oh, uh, my God. But solid all the way for three months. So we can't do it. But yeah, he I mean, he used. He, and he used Instagram and shit to post mm-hmm. pictures. But it's funny. He did like a, what is that? Was it seared foie with seafoam? Mm-hmm. And he used like Clorox tablets or some yeah, shit like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 And shaving cream. And shaving cream. Um, and he caught, no, a ham hock. Yeah. He called seared ham hock. But yeah. All uh, these things are created with household. And honey. Yeah. Cleaning appliances. Yeah. Like. So, I mean, it just goes to show you the hype. Watch this episode. It's it's great. Uh, remember he was picking that hat out of his uh out of his bed. He's like, oh, what hat? And they're like, oh, you look super fancy. He had a PR company come represent him. <laughs> so don't believe what you, don't believe everything you see uh, on the internet, people. Um, I can't believe nobody ever tried to drive by and find the place. That's what's crazy. I'm sure to me. they did, but I'm I'm sure they drove by and they're like, there's nothing here. And then they thought they must have just thought that they were on the wrong street. Well, the one guy on the phone was like, you actually exist. You're a real restaurant. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, we're most definitely <laughs> a real restaurant. Um, yeah, and just like Instagram, um, Instagram star. Uh, Salt Bay, he uh, made his way across the water Mm -hmm. from Turkey Mm -hmm. to uh, the United States, finally opened up a restaurant in New York. Johnny, you got any of those reviews? I mean, I don't have any of the reviews up, but I can tell you that uh, unless you are the rich and famous, your review is not good. Yeah, I mean, if he comes and cooks at your house and stuff, I'm probably sure they're getting drunk and getting stoned, and he they're just lo- love watching him cook the meat. And I'm sure fucking Fruity Pebbles taste delicious when you're all fucked up, right? Yeah. But uh, if you're just a everyday uh, normal guy like me and Johnny, and you walk into your re- walk into his restaurant and have to pay fucking three hundred twenty dollars for a meal. Yeah, so he's got really, really bad reviews in his restaurant in New York. One guy actually paid $1,400 for his meal and said that shit was terrible. Steaks run from $70 all the way up to $275 for that tomahawk. $8 Cokes, spaghetti orders that are $70, and $60 salads, man. No, thank you. What the fuck's going on? All hype. He... 
they, they got an Instagram video of him cooking a steak, and he abuses that meat like a teenager who just discovered Pornhub. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking about when we were telling, uh, uh, oh, we didn't introduce uh, Queef Boogie today. No, you didn't because you're an asshole. It's all right. Fine. Sorry about that. Uh, so our producer, Keith, he had uh, mentioned, we told him we were going to be talking about this uh, Instagram star. He sent us a video of this motherfucker. What kind of cut of meat was that? Loin? Yeah, it was a tenderloin. Yeah, tenderloin. Slices that bitch open, uh, flattens it out, throws some uh, Costco craft uh, single slices on that bitch. Bro. Some fucking raw asparagus. Yeah, raw asparagus. The shit's not cooked, any blanched, nothing, dog. That shit is raw. And then covers it with four more slices of American cheese, wraps that tenderloin back up, fucking no salt and pepper, no seasoning whatsoever, and then sticks like six fucking uh, Nerset toothpicks through it, frill picks, and then fucking picks it up and calls that shit good. Cheese isn't even melted. Uh, and then hits it with his famous fucking elbow bullshit ass. But he hadn't seasoned swag. the thing in general. No, nothing. He fucking slapped it on there, trimmed it, who fucking trims their fucking meat on a grill anyway? <laughs> Who does that? And I was Salt trying to, babe, bitch. Well, I was trying to say like the dude has swag. I mean, that's why he's popular. And in the culinary world, that's not swag to us. You know, the dude dresses nice. The flick of his wrist. I mean, he can probably whip up some dope. But the dude, I don't know how he, how this happens. It's the internet age. You can get famous for anything. Yeah, but he had restaurants before this, didn't he? Well, he had a restaurant in Turkey, and the thing is is that everybody loved him because of what he does with his knife and like how he makes everything so extravagant and stuff like that. But at the same time, it, uh, he just I think what happened was he had a video that got that went viral. One video that went viral. And then everybody was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And then after that, it ju it just took off. And that's really all it takes these days. That's like that's how you get these fucking SoundCloud rappers, you know? That's how you get bad Bobby. <laughs> Who the hell's bad Bobby? Um, cash me outside. Cash me outside. Oh, Danielle I just Bergoli. I just watched a remix video today with Rich the Kid and uh Kodak Black Free Kodak. No, and fuck for, fuck Kodak, man. Dude, that dude needs to stay in jail. He's a terrible human being. Okay. And his fucking raps are garbage. Uh free triple X tension. Nope, fuck him too. Okay. He's a piece of shit too. Okay, that's fine. And he's not even that good at rapping. Kevin Gates is out of jail though. That's good. He's terrible too, man. Bro, you are. Just They're all garbage. <laughs> uh, Kevin Gates can kind of spitfire uh, sometimes. Um, well, your boy Salt Bay, uh, he also is. Uh, I guess he got in trouble with uh, New York uh, City uh, health, health department. department. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for not wearing gloves, dog. They came in on him. It's okay to touch raw meat. It's okay to touch, um, you know, mix stuff with your hands, as long as it's not food that's going straight to a plate. Um, into so, a mouth. Yeah, into a mouth. Your boy is now donning the black gloves. He does not look as cool as he had before. But so. I'm surprised it took that long for him to get in trouble for it anyway. I think he had to open his restaurant and be established for a little bit before he got hit with the health inspection. And then they were like, okay, now we have visual proof that you're doing this as well. It's like, it's not even just like, oh, we saw you do it once or twice. No, you have videos all over the internet that show you seasoning food and plating it raw to customers with bare hands. Yeah. Well, shouldn't I, have come to America. You know, he, he wasn't ready. He, <laughs> he wasn't, wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. We, yeah. ate, we ate him up. I mean, his restaurant in New York has three and a half stars, which is saying something because 
people are obviously reviewing him well, but yeah. most of the bad well, reviews are one star. There is no two or three stars. Yeah, but they said that the people that, that the health department said that they had they didn't find him or they did they they just said that people snitched on him. Oh yeah, I'm sure they and did. And we're sending him like links to like pictures and, and like Instagram uh, videos and stuff like that. And they said, you know, we'll, we'll look into the situation. But they must somebody must have got to him and told him like, yo, homie, this is America. You got to wear gloves. That's, or he got chewed out by some. That's how ICE he happens, got, though. Well, he got probably. <laughs> ICE. Uh, but somebody probably bitched at him at the restaurants. Like, I don't want, take this back. Your boy's <laughs> arm hair is in my steak. You know what I'm saying? RIP to Paul Bucos. RIP to Mistral. RIP to uh, the tasting menu. And RIP to uh, Nurset's uh, New York restaurants. Uh, On to our ingredient of the week. Johnny. What are we uh, cooking? Cabbage. Cabbage. Who wants to go first? Well, that well, that key since we didn't uh, introduce him on the show today, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the risotto kid, aka Queef Boogie, the producer, always dropping, dropping that, that huge deucer. deucer. My man, Keith. Thank you, son of Guy Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm doing baby cabbage, a.k.a. Brussels sprouts, bitches. <laughs> I like how you got around it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing baby cabbage. Baby food. cabbage. <laughs> a.k.a. Brussels sprouts. Uh, you're going to take them. You're going to peel off. You know, you get, you get like two handfuls of, of little Brussels sprouts. Peel off the outside leaves. Core that little bitch with a nice little knife. Don't slice any fingers off. They're a little rough. Uh, take a large pot, smash those fuckers down a little bit, get them broken up, throw them in a pan with some olive oil, some bacon, uh, maybe some potato, just for a little texture. Uh, salt, pepper, fry them up. Enjoy. Patata. Patata, like patata. Johnny, I you, like me, or you? Paper, scissors, rock? I'll go. Paper, scissors, rock. Ready? You'll, you'll just lose. one. On three, two. Out of, on three, just one. On three. One, one two, three. One, two, three. Ooh, I told you you would never win. Um, anyway, I did paper, he did rock. That's right. And if you don't know, uh, paper eats rock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, though. I feel like rock would tear through paper. But anyway, uh, I'm <laughs> I did dynamite, fool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing um, sauerkraut, homemade sauerkraut, uh, which is nice. It's fun. Um, I know a lot of people who like sauerkraut. I'm not generally a fan of it, but... It's a cool thing to be able to say, like, I made this sauerkraut that you're putting on top of your oh rock, bro. God, uh. Anyway, so what you're going to do is there's a general recipe, and then there's a recipe that I'll give you. A general recipe is 2% salt for every 100 grams of cabbage that you're using, and you can do that by weighing out your cabbage, taking that whole number of the weighed out cabbage, and times, and then you'll multiply that by 0 .02, and that'll give you the amount of salt that you'll use for um, your sauerkraut but for this one you'll take one small head of green cabbage about three pounds um trimmed cord and shredded so you'll like cut it i would say a quarter inch maybe even um maybe even a third of an inch thick it depends on how you like your sauerkraut if you like it nice and thick or if you like it a little bit thinner um so you're gonna cut it you're gonna put it into a big container maybe a mixing bowl and you're going to put 28 grams of salt um, on top of that and what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to work it you're just going to keep on macerating it with your hands your arms are going to hurt um, you're going to do that for like 
15, 20 minutes until you actually see liquid start rising out of uh, the cabbage. And then what you're gonna wanna do is you're gonna wanna shove that cabbage as far down as you can so that that liquid mixture rises above um, the cabbage. Uh, you're not going to add anything extra if it doesn't if it doesn't happen in 20 or 30 minutes of you macerating it and you don't get enough liquid you can make a two percent water solution um, and add that in you just don't want to over salt it um, and then what you're going to do is you're going to hella salty yeah you're just going to cover it like put a plate on top of it wrap it up real nice and keep it in a warm area for a couple weeks like two to three weeks six is like optimal if you have time to do it that way and what you're going to do is you're going to create a fermentation process and that's really fun because you actually have it's an active culture so you have to be you know on top watching of it. it yeah so like every once a week you'll check it out and see where it's at see if you have any white stuff coming up to the top if you do skim it press it back down and uh, you know keep it going and you'll know you'll know when it's ready um, also if you want to this is just a fun tidbit you can add any sorts of seasoning that you want into it afterward warm seasoning warming spices juniper um, celery seed uh, caraway like anything careful with that celery seed yeah careful with the celery seed whatever you <laughs> like but you know like just for a basic <clears throat> just for a basic sauerkraut you only need salt and cabbage all right, yeah, Johnny's doing a fermented cabbage. I'm going to be doing a quick pickled cabbage. Um, it's kind of like a slaw. It's like an Asian slaw. I made it at work for a special last week. Uh, what you're going to need is you're going to need about uh, two pounds of cabbage. You're going to need some jalapenos. You're going to need some shallots, some garlic, um, some salt, some vinegar. Anyway, I'll just go through it real quick. So what you want to do is you want to shred up your cabbage. You can use purple cabbage, uh, green cabbage, whatever, maybe some carrots, um, julienne some, a jalapeno, a couple jalapenos, cut up maybe two shallots, slice them pretty thin, uh, put them into a large metal container. You can put it into a pot. And then with a separate pot, you want to take two cups of water, or no, yeah, two cups of water and two cups of rice wine uh, vinegar. Um, you want to uh, boil that. Put in one cup of sugar and one cup of salt. No, make sure you whisk that together. Um, and then you want to throw in a couple jalapenos, um, a couple shallots, some smashed garlic cloves, um, a couple junipers, um, whole juniper, a couple whole pepper, uh, black peppercorns. And you want to get that to a boil, reduce it down, let it seep for, I don't know. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. And then you want to strain it over your cabbage. And then you want to cover that cabbage with a um, some plastic wrap and let that sit there for maybe an hour and then strain that pickling liquid out. I would save the pickling liquid if I was you and then just chill that. Um, and once it's chilled, you can serve it on top of uh, all sorts of stuff. I was serving it on top of pork belly. Yeah, you could make that pickle into a little vinaigrette. Yes, I saved mine. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with it. Word. So um, that will bring us to the end of episode 93 of Grill How Long Steak, Mr. On the Plate. Um, if you want to see me and Johnny on uh, Instagram, uh, I'm going to be at Bobby Stills. He's going to be at Johnny Toonami. <clears throat> if you want to visit uh, the Grill How Long Steak, Mr. Uh, pages it, on Facebook, it's going to be... Grow How Long Steak Mister. On Instagram, it's going to be at Grow How Long Steak Mister. On Twitter, it's going to be at How Long Steak Mister. And if you want to email us with any questions or topics or talk some shit, uh, you can email us at Grow How Long Steak Mister at gmail.com. That's right, Keith. Do you want to say anything before we sign off? Peace. Grill. How Long Steak Mister. Five minutes out. Eat a dick, bitch.